Welcome back to the Sunday Roast. How's it going, guys? How the hell are you? How are your hearts? Bad, presumably. And of course, how are your heads? Worse again, I suspect. Guys, how are you? How are things? How are you doing at the moment? We're halfway through February. We've made it. It's Valentine's Day. There's international rugby on today. Life is good. Life is not good. But look, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not even going to bother, <clears throat> do the whole, oh, what a week. Oh, only me. Look, things are shit. They're shit for all of us. Thank you for sticking with me. I appreciate every single person that listens to the show each week. Thank you all for sending me kind messages, reassuring messages and supportive messages. They go a really long way. And if I don't get back to you when you send them, I'm probably just um, whinging on the couch and having an existential crisis. Which one of the day? I have no idea. Nevertheless, thank you all. To everybody who's subscribed subscribed to the Patreon over the last few weeks, I really, really appreciate it. Patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan. Um, that's where you can get extra content, additional podcasts, uh, video content, Spotify playlists. And also if you want to get personalized roasts for your friends or yourself, um, birthdays or videos, all the, just basically everything sort of happens via Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe. But look, I'm just going to get into it because I want to be positive. I'm doing my best to just like not indulge and lean into the misery and just look ahead, okay? So on that note, but genuinely I hope you're all doing okay and staying strong. Things will get better. They will at some point, I hope and swear, okay? Nevertheless, today is a sports podcast. It is a sports podcast. I know, the irony, the dramatic, dramatic irony. This isn't the first time. I've sort of told you about some of my shortcomings in the arena of athleticism, yeah? I've told you about the time when I was renting a kayak and I asked for the keys, yeah? What was I thinking, though? Going on a kayaking tour through London. Going on a kayaking tour through East Hackney is like going for a romantic picnic in the Matter Hospital. It was a fucking disaster, by the way. I was on a date. This sort of dystopic version of a Venetian day out which, by the way, ended up very abruptly when I drank some of the river water, immediately got the runs, and had to swim back to dry land to find a toilet in the nearest weather spoons. I've also told you about the time I got barred from an adventure centre in Middle Ireland because I refused to wear a wetsuit. Would you like a wetsuit? No thanks, by the way. No thanks. I prefer to sink to the bottom of the ocean in my jeans, if necessary. Fill them with cement if you wish. There is less chance of me getting offered a show on RTE than there is of me wearing one of those suffocation suits of sadness. Speaking of suffocation suits of sadness, I bought some condoms the other day, am I right? No, Mark, you're wrong. Speaking of suffocating suits of sadness, I was chatting to an accountant the other day, am I right? No, Mark. You're still wrong. Nevertheless, these aren't the athletic misdemeanors or non-events which I want to talk to you about this morning. No. No. Okay? After trawling through the annals of time, I think I finally managed to pluck out a story that might be worth sharing. Why I retired from international and provincial rugby. Why I left the world of rugby. Why my favourite Beatles song is called Eleanor Rugby. Rugby. I started playing rugby for the same reasons many kids did. Approval from their parents. 
obviously, approval from the peers. And most importantly, because the closest thing my school had to speech and drama club was whenever the kids in the special reading class got into a fist fight. Do you remember those? Can we actually, sorry, sorry, can we actually talk about those for a second? The special reading classes they used to have in primary schools around Ireland. They were absolutely insane. The most arbitrary reasons ever would get you sent to that class. Now, I'm not talking about the legitimate programs, by the way, they had for people who required additional help. That's a separate entity. I'm talking about the haphazard, self-titled special reading class they had in primary schools around the country. They were absolutely outrageous. In my school, in my school, the one that I went to, if you so much as followed one sentence with your finger under the line when reading out loud, you were exiled, gone, down to the back of the prefabs, which were always there, by the way. Prefabs, I went to like from first class to sixth class, the prefabs were a permanent structure. Nevertheless, down to the back of the prefabs for special reading class. This poor kid, one kid in my class used to slightly stick his tongue out whenever he concentrated. And this was during arts and crafts, mind you. And he went down for a three-year stretch as a result. The poor child is finger-painting with his tongue out and you're sentencing him to three years of special reading class. What the hell is going on here? I genuinely, by the way, sorry, I am genuinely convinced that those special reading classes were designed to keep kids there as well. There was no rehabilitation. Come on, this was a system designed to oppress. There must have been some sort of bonus budget allocated by the Department of Education to the school as long as they maintained the resource for a special reading class and that's why they had to keep the numbers up. We were in senior infants, okay? Senior infants, for those of you not from Ireland, senior infants is your second sort of, I don't know, your five or six, basically, right? We were in senior infants. And I remember chatting to one fella from the special reading class at milk break one day. We had just finished thumbing through Tara and Ben, a largely illustrated book on friendship, because we're literally five. It's, it's appropriate reading material for five-year-olds. Guess what they had that week? Guess what they had that week in the special reading class? Ulysses. Ulysses. It was a complete shambles. Uh, right, Bobby, I need at least six A4 pages on that Seamus Heaney retrospective in Latin by lunchtime or else you're not getting another toilet break. Madness. Damn. You wouldn't get deadlines like that in the Washington... One of my, sorry, one of my closest friends in first year... This is now, okay, fair enough, this is secondary school. One of my closest friends in first year was told by a teacher that he was so dyslexic he would not have the ability to sit in honours leaving cert. Now, we all know that dyslexia is not in any way a reflection of somebody's intelligence. But this teacher, in in loco parentis, mind you, felt it was appropriate to dictate the course of your man's scholastic life in the first two months of first year. And he's now writing off the kid for the next six years. Is that not mental? Here's the kicker, though. Do you know what happened to that kid in the end? Ah, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. Nope, had to cut him loose. Had to cut him loose. Nope. Come on now. I mean, you cannot be mates with somebody who can't colour inside the lines. And that's just politics, baby. I'm really sorry about the wind in the background, by the way. There's literally nothing I can do to prevent it. It's mental and my windows are very old. So 
if you can hear banging in the background, that's not Mrs. Roast on a bike with no saddle. It's literally just the windows. Nevertheless, happy Valentine's Day, Mrs. Roast. Now, today, as I said, was supposed to be a sports podcast, so I need to get into it, right? Apologies about the wayward, tangential introduction. Rugby. For those uninitiated, rugby union, commonly known simply as rugby, is a full contact team sport that originated in England in the first half of the 19th century. One of the two codes of rugby football, it is based on running with the ball in hand. In its most common form, a game is played between two teams of 15 players each using an oval-shaped ball on a rectangular field called a pitch. The field has H-shaped goalposts at both ends. Okay, we're all up to date. Now, I know I've spoken before about why I was never great at playing rugby, but just to simplify, two simple words, it hurts. It really, really hurts. Yeah? So I shirked my responsibilities on the rugby pitch. Why the hell wouldn't I? Make sure to uh, get loan out of there, Mark, with that tackle. Sorry? Towards towards the ground. Are, are we farming? You want me to get closer to the earth? Yeah, get in low now. Excuse me, coach. I've spent the first 15 minutes of this game shouting instructions at other people in order to avoid doing anything myself. Do you honestly think I'm going to bend down now in the cold November air like some sort of Mesopotamian rice farmer? I won't be pushing my face any closer to the ground than it already is. Won't be doing that. However, I can offer you a lazy attempt to grab him by the jersey. Might that be of interest? Or maybe I can interest you in a weak-willed tap tackle. One of the ones where you let him run by you and then you reach out for his ankles. But that's about the best you're going to get. There is literally no way I am bending down, craning my neck out and putting my head between his legs. I mean, around his legs. Damn. I was afraid of rugby from day one. But before everyone starts saying, I am, but fear is what propels us all, isn't it? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Don't care. Don't care. And let me tell you for why. Let me tell you for why I was afraid of rugby from day one. There used to be this urban myth in my school. Apparently it's true. Realistically, it may not be. Nevertheless, it got into my mind. And once it sort of crept in, I could never get it out, this story. Apparently a few years before I joined the school, there was a rugby match happening on the back pitch, right? And there was an injury. Some kid dislocated his hip. One can only imagine the pain, right? And then, of course, this Alakadont fancied himself as a bit of a doctor. The guy on the sideline, he probably works selling fucking printers, but he fancied himself as a bit of a doctor. You can just imagine it. Sharon, hold my gloves, I'm going in. Anything just to be back on the pitch himself again because he's been living vicariously through his son for the last 14 years. Anyway, apparently this guy walks onto the pitch says he knows what to do, he can pop the hip back in for him because the two coaches are like 19 and they're hung over because they're in first year university. Anyway, he holds on to the kid and he says, you know, this will hurt for a second, but then you'll be fine. He pops the kid's hip back in, but just before he popped it back in, he didn't notice that one of the guy's testicles had fallen to the left so it then got caught the little spherical life provider got caught between the hip and the socket so he pushed it back in with the ball stuck between apparently you could hear the screams in Sydney 
I mean, it happened in Sydney, so I suppose that's not too mental. But you can imagine how sore that would be. Imagine explaining that to the EMT. Well, sorry, sorry, Charles, is it, what do you do for a living that you, are you, ah, well, I've got a tree cutting business. So why on earth are you performing procedures on injured teenagers during rugby matches? Well, you see, I went to school here, um, and so did my granddad, and my granddad's granddad, um, and I'm my granddad's granddad's dead. What are you doing? What the hell are you doing? If spoofing was a sport, you'd score a try in the end zone. There are often times in life when you think this will be one of the most defining moments of your existence. When you meet your maker and she, 2021, she, 2021, asks you to recall the highlights of your lo- highlights of your life, this will be one of them. For some, it could be the birth of their first child. For my parents, it was their second. For others, it could be their wedding day. For my parents, it was their second. But for me, it was a balmy June afternoon on a mucky rugby pitch somewhere outside the jurisdiction of the Dunleary Rathdown County Council. My final day of rugby. The morning itself began just like any other day. So actually, I hate that. Do you know what I hate? I hate when news reporters say that in news reports. You know when there's like a national disaster or like a terror attack? They always say that. Why are they always... This morning in Brussels got off to a start in the same way most do on Wednesdays. Shopkeepers were unloading their vans, lorry drivers were making their deliveries and Irish comedians were making jokes about the immersion. This all changed at around noon when gunfire was heard outside the Vue Levant. Like, yes... Of course the day got off to a normal start. If it didn't get off to a normal start, something would have been done. It's not like, like, that's the whole thing about, it's not like the terrorists were just going to get onto the Lewis, into the centre of the city, and go for a coffee with their guns slung over their shoulder. What the hell is going on here? Of course it began like a normal day. That's the whole purpose of a surprise attack. Do you know anything about espionage? Anyway, we were all togged out. Hair slicked back. Dick. Slick back, ready to go. This was my big day. I'd been given a place on the main team for insert year and insert competition. This was the big one. Coach rang me up the night before to calm my nerves. I went for a drive with my remarkably beautiful, yet still wholesome and unaware of her good looks, next-door neighbour girlfriend. We sat on the hood of my car and watched the stars. Talked about how everything was going to change after prom. I mean the Debs. We made a promise though that no matter what happened, we would always be together. Then I dropped her home and shagged this girl off Tinder. Nevertheless, the scene was set. This was the big day. This is my moment. The referee blows his whistle. A nation holds its breath. Well, realistically about four dads and a cocker spaniel, but still. The crowd were on their feet. Now, to be fair, they're on their feet for the whole matches. There wasn't like a stand or tiered seating. But still, you can imagine the tension. I remember catching the ball deep into the halfway line. All of a sudden, I started to hear the chorus. Class, 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 mark, mark. A symphony of support from the 16th men. It would later transpire they're actually saying, pass, mark, pass, But anyway, then it happened. 
You know that scene in Forrest Gump where he gets the ball and just runs at the speed of shite and scores a touchdown? That was essentially me, but the other way around. Yep, I ran in the opposite direction. Okay, I swear to God, straight to the car park. My mum was... Okay, have you ever seen Snatch? You know that scene in Snatch with the rabbit chase where Brad Pitt takes the hair out to get chased by the dogs and at the same time, it's when Tyrone gets kidnapped. This was essentially that scene from Snatch, except for my mum was Tyrone sitting in the car park in her Vectra. I get the ball. I run off the pitch. Everything's going in slow motion. People are shouting. Dogs are barking. The wind is blowing. Mum sees me coming. I'm shouting at her, roll the window down, roll the window down. I'm coming in at speed. Get the engine going. She's fumbling her keys. She drops them at her feet like they do in the movies. She picks them up. I'm halfway in the window. The coaches and players from both sides are chasing me because I still have the ball. Mum, get the keys in, get the keys in. I'm trying. The engine stalls. Mum, quick, they're gaining on us, they're gaining on us. A sea of strange, aggressive men wearing Canterbury tracksuit bottoms entering the car park. All of the players yelling incoherent slop. Everyone's yelling incoherent slop. Mainly because they're all still wearing gum shields. All the grown men yelling incoherent slop because they haven't psychologically progressed since their debs. They chase us out of their car park. All of them getting into their own cars. They've all got crowbars. They're hitting them off the sides of their vehicles to intimidate us. An insurer's worst dream. I start frantically dialing home to tell them to get rid of all the evidence I ever played rugby. Dad's in the bathroom flushing down all my protein down the toilet. We're looking for a safe house. Or basically just our house in Cabinteely. My sister's out the back, burning all my old jerseys and shoulder pads in a bonfire. Dousing all my rugby balls and petrol and drop-kicking them into the neighbour's garden like some sort of middle-class Molotov cocktail. Get me home, Mum, quickly. And I'm going to need at least two potato smileys and a yazoo to calm down from this. Yes, you can have some Chianti. We get as far as the gates to our estate. They're gaining on us. Mum, they're gaining on us. She does a tailspin. Car flips over three times. My legs are still dangling out of the car like spaghetti or cheese strings. It's an absolute disaster. Just as they're about to pull up, I hear the gunshots. The day began like any other normal day. But yeah, we lost the match at the end. I mean, you can't just be stealing balls from school. That's theft. You'll be suspended. so much for listening to the Sunday Rose really appreciate it guys uh, I hope you're doing alright it's a fucking dog shit time but let's not labour on that let's labour on patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan if you could subscribe it would mean the world to me if you're enjoying the podcast please rate it please review it please tell your friends um, you'd be directly helping me and uh, the growth of the show and seeing where we can bring it The next manifestation of the Sunday Roast will hopefully be very different to a podcast. I wonder what the future will hold. Hopefully something positive, because it's been fairly miserable over the last few months for all of us. Anyway, thank you again so much for listening. Hope you're doing okay. Hit me up if you're not. 
we will get through this. Take care. Have a good Sunday. And happy Valentine's Day. Thank you.